This year we are developing Christians for Christ. And I've got, of course, just a list of different things that we want to try to take the time to look at this year in developing us. And one of the things that what we have to remember as a church is that the development of individuals does not happen overnight. It takes a long, 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 did I mention long, period of time. And sometimes we get into this real quick fix mentality in churches that everything has to happen like right now. And we get into this microwave Christianity concept that we throw it in, we push two minutes, we push start, and bang, there it is, you know. But uh, Christianity is more like slow cooking, you know. You know what I mean? You know, you get that slow cooking. That's how you do a good deer roast. I was over at Dyes. We went over there about a month ago, and she put this roast on. I'm telling you what, it just melted in your mouth. It was so, so good. And she said, but it takes minimum eight, ten hours. It has to be in there. Slow cooking. Seems like it's always better that way. And what we have to remember is that God is a patient God. And that where we are now, it took a long time for God to bring us to this point. And we have all had valleys. We've all had the mountaintop experiences. Places where God used us. Places where we seemed like where was the Lord in our lives? What was going on? Times of despair. We've had them all. But God is molding you and creating something inside of you. And what we have to do is allow God to do it. He wants to use you. You, as an individual, in a very powerful way in God's plan for you in this life. And there are certain things that I have noticed in my personal life and what God had done to bring me to where I am. And again, God's not done yet. And there's an image that God is trying to develop us into and is the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are who are predestinated that God purpose or determine that we will be conformed to the very image of His Son. Romans 8.29 And that image is to be Christ-like. Not in an outward appearance, but in an interior part of us that begins to change. And it starts right here with the mind. And this mind has to start changing. I want you to think about some of your heroes. People that you say, that person is walking with God. And then you stop and say, what is different about them? What is it in their life that is drawing them so close to the Savior that they are such a good witness that they are involved with ministry in this way? And you stop and think about what is it within them that I can begin to incorporate into my life? And I could talk to you of heroes that I have had through the years. Men that I looked at and said, these guys know God. And these people are following the Lord and their life is not rosy. There are all kinds of problems and issues. And yet the consistency, folks, the consistency is what God is looking for in our lives. And that develops through time. Where you are 
is hopefully not where you're going to be. I hope that you are climbing that ladder, that spiritual ladder, towards that which is holy, that which is well-pleasing in God's sight, that which is the mind of Christ, that which is knowing to do His will is a result of knowing Him better. Today we're going to talk about the importance of the Word of God. This what we have is the Word of God when at, well, great price by many for us to have. The translation that we have in the English language that came from scholars who took the time to examine the Greek, the Hebrew, to bring it all together, to translate it, and is being done around the world even now by uh, Tyndall and, and, uh, and many other mission groups that uh, like New Tribes Missions, that goes in, develops a language, develops the Word of God so they can have the Word of God, and they sacrifice day and night, day and night, praying over, making sure that it is accurate. And God has used people to preserve His Word to this very day, to even the English language. It's a powerful thing. That's why we support Bearing Precious Seed, World Missionary Press, these ministries that are there, getting the Word out, because faith still comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God and its importance, and we're going to take a couple of weeks on the subject. I say a couple, maybe a few. we get her done when we get it done. But we have to understand that there needs to be an absolute love for God's Word. And I hope that someday when I'm dead and gone, and Nathan gets up and says something intelligent about me. One of the things that I hope is, is, uh, is something that I handed down for the next generation is a love for God's Word. A love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's about Him, and that's, that's who we're supposed to honor and glorify in our lives. And in this text, we have a man whose name is John, that God chose to write down one of our favorite Gospels. We love John. Easy reading for us, isn't it? Because we associate with the Gospel of John. Because John portrays our Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Deity. Matthew portrays Jesus as the King. We have Luke showing Him as the Son of Man. We have Mark showing Him as the Servant. And here in John, we see Him as God, deity. And that's why it starts out showing God being eternal. It's interesting, John is used. Now, now, so we understand which John. This is not John the Baptist. He talks about John the Baptist in this text. And this is not the other John, which is John Mark that we hear about in the book of Acts and other places. This is the Apostle John. The one in whom Jesus loved. This is the one that laying on the very breast of Christ, leaned over, asking specific questions. And Jesus answered John. While others were asking, He didn't. But when John said, who is it? He gave an answer. This man, God powerfully used to bring this book, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the Revelation. This young man, compared to the other uh, disciples, was one God greatly used to the very end, giving him a revelation of the future through this one 
powerful to see how God used him, the one that Jesus loved. And in this book, it portrays Christ as, first of all, in verse number one, the eternal word. And then later on, in verse number 14, that the word, the eternal word was made flesh and he came to this earth. He really, really came, folks. Not just as a teacher, although he taught. Not just as a healer, although he did heal. He came as the Savior. He came to bring life and light. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this text down. We're going to diagram it a little bit and try to understand some of the depth of this Word and also seeing Jesus in other portions of Scripture. So many of us could quote verse number 1 where he tells us, In the beginning was the capitalized Word. Not just a word of man. It is the very Word of God. And that the Word was with God. And that the Word that is itself, the Word itself, was God Himself. And so when you look back at the book of Genesis in chapter number 1, you can see how he is talking about the beginning being that of creation. goes on and says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Now that's not talking about God here. It's still going back to the capital W Word. That all things were made by the Word. Now giving the pronoun Him. And without Him, the Word was not anything made that was made. So all creation is by this One who is the Word. That in Him, the Word was life. And the life was the light of man. Now notice verse number 4, excuse me, verse number 9. That was the true light. Notice what it says, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So this Word, whoever He is, came and brought life through creation, light followed the life in creation to expose and to reveal. Now, in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then later on, it tells us that there was a division that took place because darkness was there. And God said, let there be light. And it, and it was. There are certain things that, boy, don't you wish you would have been there. You want to talk about a Big Bang Theory. I mean, this is huge to think. Now follow me. From nothing, God began by His Word to say, let it be, and it was. God knew what He was forming before it was ever created. It had never been in the existence before as it is now as we know, light. And so God then, showing His character, divided the darkness from the light to show contrast. That's what light does. And this light comes into the world. So, of course, we see it now in, our, in creation. He talks about later on how that which held light, which is the moon, the stars, the sun, the sun was there created to give greater light and then to show this, this beautiful contrast he gives these stars and moon at night to sow darkness and yet light. 
Isn't it interesting, at Christmas we talked about the light, that star that, that the men were able to follow to come to the Christ who is the light of the world. And He uses the atmosphere. He uses these things to show us His power and also, folks, to show us His character. Matter of fact, we're going to put this in now so I don't forget to do it. You'll remember how John, the Baptist that is, was in this, on this earth to bear witness of that light. Now follow what he says. He was not the light. He came to bear witness of the light. That's our job as Christians. We are not ultimately the light. We are the ones that point people to the light. Just as John did. It is not about we ourselves. We're not trying to draw people to ourselves with our charisma, with our talents. If we do, it's in vain. But if we, in our life, realize that it is not about ourselves, it is about the light, and we are to constantly point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are going to do is fulfill what John says, is I must decrease so that He, Christ, can increase. And as we lessen ourselves in who we think we are, and to realize we are nothing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, and we point people to Christ, and because Christ the light is able to give them life, and light in and of themselves, we have done well as a Christian. That's what we're here for. John came to bear witness of the light. So this life starts with creation. It starts as a result of one God creating all things. And yes, I said that, not three gods. We have one true God. And by that one God, He has created all things. How did He do it? Well, you'll see that God the Father, that God created. He uses His Word, as we know as Jesus. The Spirit of God, you remember, moved upon the face of the waters, on the deep. We have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all there at creation. Intricate part each one had in the creation of all things as we knew it. But ultimately, God points back to the God created the world through the very Word of God, and this one capital W Word is an individual that brought light as a result of bringing life into the world. Scientifically, as one man I was reading about, it is light that shows there is a life form. And that's what ultimately life is reflecting is light. Because without it, there, nothing can grow. Nothing can be. Now we realize that there's these detailed things in the depth of the sea and the, and the caves back in there, these little things that are going around and so forth. But I don't care. There is some form of light because without it, there cannot be existence in a light. Light reflects that which is coming from life. So that light then, verse 5, shines in darkness. And the darkness, what's this? It didn't understand. It comprehended it not. So now he's trying to show you and I this, this work of light that comes from life, that comes from a Creator, and there is an opposition to that light, and it is darkness. And as darkness here, as we know, symbolizes an individual in sin that is lost, does not fully understand that light. 
that comes from life, that comes from the creation, that happened because of the Word. So this process that is going is a comprehension. Now follow me, a light, if you will, a comprehension of that which was created. Let's show you the Word. In verse number 14, God now exposes to you and I who the Word is. That the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father that is filled or full of grace and truth. We discovered grace last year coming from the Lord Jesus Christ that is tied together with truth, that which is. And so therefore, grace and truth come by the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see it in verse 17. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So this grace and truth come from Him. The Word is Jesus Christ. There is no one other. Even though the word Jesus Christ is not mentioned in verse number 14, we know that because of who is described here, the only one that is fulfilled in that definition is Jesus Christ Himself. Now look over with me to the book of Colossians for a moment. Colossians chapter number 1. Appreciate, matter of fact, the, uh, the first hymn, We Will Glorify, that happens to be one of my favorite, favorite songs. Um, he is Lord of all creation. He is Lord of all who lives. And there's something that we have to understand. Now follow me. If we're going to start growing, it comes down to the rudiments of fundamentalism. And that is, without the Word, who is Jesus Christ, we are going nowhere. Now, there is a foundation of creation that also must be established in your mind. Because once it is there, it changes your perspective on all that is here. So here in Colossians, in chapter number 1, he tells us in verse number 15, actually, let's, let's back up verse 13 so we can see who he's talking about, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, interestingly, has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom, that is in the Son, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is, that is, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, who has a kingdom, is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God the Father looks like, look at Jesus. He is the very image, the very character, of being eternal, being uh, long-suffering, being patient and kind. Any characteristic you can think of God, the Father, you will see because Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible. He is the firstborn of every creature. For by Him, that is by Jesus, were all things created. Now, details... Just in case you think, oh yeah, He created this, or He created that, yeah, He healed some people. No, 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 no. To make it very clear to our JW friends, that He, God, through the eternal Word of God, created all things by Jesus Christ Himself, the things that are in heavens, the things that are here on this earth, 
things that we can see, visible, things that we have not yet discovered, invisible. The dominions and principalities, the powers, all things were created by Him. Now notice, they are made for Him. We as His creation, just like the trees, just like everything that is around, the, the, the uh, stars, everything that we look at and we say, wow, God says, I made them so you could see my power. Romans chapter 1. They are created for Him. For thy good pleasure, they are and were created. So you and I also, involved with that creation, are here to honor and glorify. We are made for Him. We are not made for ourselves. And as Christians, what we have to do is go beyond selfishness and oftentimes living in darkness, come to the light, come to that knowledge that we are here for the very purpose of glorifying Him. It's interesting here, in the day and age that we are living in, that He mentions that even the thrones, those, now listen folks, those who are in leadership, those who will be in leadership, are designed by God for His kingdom. Now, some of you may be a little discouraged about the people that you voted for this last year. And some of you may be jubilant about who has been voted in and put into position. And I acknowledge that through voting, they're placed in. And I understand that. But I'm just telling you, as a Christian, in a Christian's perspective, it is still God working to fulfill His purpose of His kingdom. Flip over to this is this is this is like over here on our outline today, okay? But we're going to get side noted just for a moment. Look at First Peter with me. Chapter number two. Because God or Jesus Christ, the Word of God, has created even kings, those who are in authority over top of us. He tells us in verse number 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So in other words, as we are good citizens, we pay our taxes, you know, we, we, we do good things, you know, we, we, we pay our bills on time. I talked about that last week. You know, we're just good moral people we are ultimately reflecting on our God because we yield to the ordinances of man. So if, if, if you, you, know, you, you keep speeding and getting tickets and you lose your license, that's not good as a Christian because you don't have temperance to keep it under control. I get tickets, but now I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. You know, We don't keep doing it over and over again, breaking, 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 breaking. Okay? So we submit to the ordinances of man for God. For his sake. Now notice, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors under them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Sounds like Romans 13, doesn't it? For so is the will of God. So God is saying, this is what I have designed. It is his creation. He is over all the earth. 
over all nations. He is the God of all nations. He is still in control, folks. He has not just given it over to Satan and say, go ahead, I don't care. That's not how God works as Creator. He can use Iraq to fulfill His plan. He can use Iran. He can use Italy. He can use Rome. He can use wherever He wants to fulfill His plan. Because He is God of all creation. Now this changes the Christian's mindset on what is going on today. So, He tells us, this is the will, verse 15, that with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people, foolish man. And we are to be free, that is liberated, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but we are to use our liberty for the purpose of serving God, but as servants of God. Now notice what he says, honor all or all men. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and look at the last phrase, honor the king. I didn't say this. God did. And we as Christians are not afraid to tear down with our verb, uh, our, our, uh, our language and tearing them down. There's another text, I didn't have time to get into it, but you know, it's like we tear down people and it's just like, no, 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 you don't do that. We have to be careful as Christians how we are looking at those who are in office over top of us. Because God created. I don't know what God's doing. He's God. But if this is part of the issuing in of His ultimate kingdom, if this is what's ushering in the snatching away of the bride and the trib, aren't you for it? And we move. Oh, man. I didn't get the way I wanted. This is really bad. What are we going to do? You know, they're not going to like Israel as what they did, and all these bad things are going to happen to the U.S. Yeah, it's part of his plan. Because the government does maybe not follow the way they should be. I can in my heart. So we pray for them. Second Timothy, pray for your leadership that we may lead a peaceful quiet life, and all godliness and honesty. That's ours to do. Okay, now we're going to come back to this point over here now. Creator. This is our God. He has created all things. And it isn't interesting. We're going to show you, hopefully you can follow this point. I think it's pretty, pretty neat. That now, through the power of the Word of God, He creates all things, to reveal His strength and His power and the invisible things that we can't see in God, we see through His creation. So the creation reveals the very character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. God created. God used the Word to create. Therefore, the Word who was God and is Jesus is God. Isn't it deep? But you'd be surprised how people... Well, I don't think that. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think Jesus is God. He's just a good man, a good teacher. You're not saved. Until you come to the point of understanding who Jesus is, because there are many Jesus out there. We're pointing people to the One. He is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. And He is actively involved in His creation. 
in his creation, in particular of man. Man, likewise, was created in the very image of God. And now he, you and I, are involved in creating something for God. But most importantly, he is creating in us his image. That is the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God's all about. Guys love to create. We do. We love it when we do, you know, get into this project, whether you're a mechanic or whether you build walls or do something with computers or whatever it is. You are designing something right here. And you're laying something out and you're going to say, oh, it'd be cool when this is done. I was up at uh, Al's. What was that, what was that car you, you, uh, you did? 60, what is it? 65 GTO. And it's very sweet. I never had a ride in that one, but uh, missed out on that one, but it was beautiful. Still, is Chris at, Chris at it? Yeah, so I, yeah. Who does, Kurt? Yeah, come see me sometime. I like to take a ride in that thing. It's it's gorgeous, man. And they took it and created. They put it all together. It was a project. And Al's good with these things, and he could see what it was to be before it was done. And God knew what he was going to make before it ever even started. Artist. Cosmos. Cosmetology. Cosmos. Beautifying is that old Greek word, beautifying. And that's what we see in the cosmos. The beautiful hand, the artistry of our God, putting it all out there for us to see His power and His glory. Indescribable, the video. In that video that's been out recently, a lot of Christians have been watching, just showing how big God really is. And in His creation, He takes a man... And, you know, it's, it's, I love this verse in, in Genesis 1.26. He says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And uh, it's almost like God talking with himself, if you will. And here he is talking and saying, let's make man in our image. And so later on in chapter number two, we see that, that uh, the formation of man, that he takes the dust of the ground and he kind of... arms. <laughs> legs. Voila! There's man. And by the way, if you were to analyze us about what we are, dust of the ground. We're dirt. <laughs> From the dust of the ground we were created, and to the dust of the ground we will return. The ashes, the ashes, the dust to dust principle. Okay. But what's unique about this is something invisible took place. We see the physical form, which is temporary. But we see in Adam's creation that God breathed into him the breath, invisible, life. Life came from God, the Creator, by breathing it into him. Now, absolutely at that point, miraculously, this mind begins to function. The vocal cords, the hands... All that we see in human beings was immediate upon that breath of life. But I want to take you a step further than just the physical, because that's what we usually think. Oh, good, he hopped up and down. He's able to go around and, and you know do things now. He's able to plow the ground and all those things. But there's something interesting as you see this text. 
and text that we're in in John chapter 1. And that there, because of creation, because of life, light came into every man. There is now, in other words, when Adam was created, he had an absolute immediate knowledge of God. He had an immediate wisdom to understand. There was a realization of where he came from and was then capable of worshiping God, his creator. In other words, like, man, where did I come from? Oh, God, you made me. That's an automatic light that comes as a result of life. Now, as he is created, it's amazing to see the wisdom that Adam had. Going about naming the animals. What a job that would be. I can't remember my grandkids' names. I don't know how old they are. I don't have birthdays memorized. I, I'm, I'm really one sick grandfather. I don't get it all down. You know what? But, but Adam, man, he's naming the animals. He has all this understanding and wisdom and so forth. And it's just amazing to see what this guy could do. And you see it in the scripture. He's plowing the field, you know, doing everything. He's naming the animals. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh. Look at those nice little zebras together. And look at those lions together. And look at the elephants together. And giraffe are all so pretty together. And God says, poor Adam. Poor Adam. He's all by himself. It's not good for man to be alone. So he says, let's go to operation. So, knocks him out. you know, And Adam's down. And God takes operation and literally takes from him a rib to create from man, not from the dust, but from man, he creates another in his image. So Eve comes into being. As we were talking about this in our Sunday school class, didn't take the bone from the head nor from the foot to show a leadership from the head or to be beneath as from the foot, but takes from that which is closest to the very heart of man. Amen, men. And creates from his side a precious place, a rib to make woman. He says, now this is bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Literally, what it means. Same image, but different. And he is now wooed by her beauty, no doubt, just like Mark and Sierra yesterday, if you weren't here for the wedding, Everybody's crying. I mean, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous wedding, you know. Uh, sings to her, you know, all the, it was a pretty wedding. There was a problem, though. So they're created, and, and God describes to Eve, and no doubt Adam's involved with this whole thing. Now, you're coming on the scene a little late. Now, so far, I've been doing pretty good. There's a tree, one tree. This tree is of the knowledge of good and evil, and don't touch it. Don't go there. Leave the thing alone. Because if we take that, we're going to die. You understand? Oh, yes, honey. I would be glad to never go around that. God says, now listen, you stay away from it. Don't you touch that. Stay as far as you can. Yes, sir. Sure enough, the Satan comes in there and uh, he starts to uh, deceive Eve. And he says, oh, God's holding back the very best from you. You can become as gods, knowing the difference between good and evil. God hasn't surely said thou shalt not eat of it. Surely, surely. And he uses temptation and Eve partakes of this. And she now eats, gives to her husband and the eyes of them both, the awareness 
now is there to see light and darkness. Before that, everything was pure and right and light. And now, oh, we're naked. And we have to hide ourselves. Why, thank you for clothing today. Seriously, good thing, you know, because now we can understand a bad thing versus a good thing. A little later on, because of that, God comes to Adam. Adam, what have you done? Well, this woman you gave me, he comes to Eve. Eve, what have you done? Well, this serpent over here. Okay, Satan, you knew what you were doing. And now here's your curse. To the woman, he says, childbearing, you're going to have pain. Boy, you can talk to Di about that one. She said, usually they get that, you know, thing and they don't feel the pain and so forth. They were a little late coming on it this time. She goes, boy, does that hurt, Daddy. Remember the old time ladies when you actually had to have a baby without, what is that called? Epidural? And now it's just like smiling, getting right through it. You know, it's like, yeah, it's no pain at all. You know, it's all right. And she said, man, it just hurt. It's part of the curse. I guess epidurals are against the will of the Lord. I'm not sure about that one. I won't go there on that one. I think it's a good thing. But he says also to Satan, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Thou shalt bruise his heel. He is going to bruise your head. Now follow me on this. All of a sudden there's this curse. Here she is, brought into the world for something beautiful and positive. Now follow me, for creation. Because God says to man and woman, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. We are designed for that very purpose of a man and a woman coming together to bring forth life. And that's why sodomy, the gay movement, goes against the nature of God, folks. That's why it's there. Nature itself shows that that is not normal. And so sure enough, He brings them together for that purpose. But now, there's a problem. Sin has entered in now. There's a disease now. There's darkness now. There's this awareness of sin. It is not until after that, folks, and I've got to save myself some time here, it is not until after that that Adam looks at his wife and names her. It's after that he says, Your name shall be Eve. Do you know what that means? You know what her name means? And, and we say Eve, and we decide, well, that's Adam, and then there's Eve. But Adam named her for a reason. He didn't just say, well, let me pick a name here. No. She is the giver of life. That's what her name, name means. One who gives life. Because now, because of her, a child can be born. And I said that on purpose. Because of Eve, through creation, a son is going to be born. It was prophesied by God Himself to her that a son 
was going to be born. A child for the destruction of Satan who took life. All of this is done at the very early stages of the book of Genesis. Don't think God doesn't know what He's doing. Powerful that in His creation, He is trying to bring forth life and light. Now here's the deal. So the life giver, looking towards the Lord Jesus Christ, she is the one that through her, the Savior, the Messiah, that would undo what she did, which was bringing a curse in this world, she would be bringing forth that lineage to go to the Lord Jesus Christ for you and I to appreciate life and we can appreciate life more abundantly. Are you there in John? In Him, in verse 4, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. It comprehended it not. Now notice, John then comes on the scene, and he is bearing witness of that light. But that light, by those who are involved with darkness, wouldn't come to the light. Verse 9, that was the true light, Jesus which lights every man, gives that awareness and an understanding, not just physical light, but an internal wisdom and understanding that there has to be a Creator on, out there. There has to be something out there more and bigger than I am. And that which light comes into the world. But, notice, He was in the world, Jesus the Word, the light and light, but the world was made Him and the world knew Him not. You know what's sad? All of creation, the majority of those who have been made in God's image, lost it through the fall, will not recognize God as Creator. They will not do it. You say, why? Why is it for us to stop and to say that there is one God who created all things, and that we are part of Him, that we would have a fear of acknowledging Him then as God. I believe it is one su supreme reason. And that is because if there is a God, and if He has created all things, therefore I must have an accountability to this one. So if He is supreme over top of me, if He is sovereign over top of me, then I have to listen to Him. So let's do it this way. Let's just say everything popped into existence. There's no God out there. Therefore, there's no responsibility to Him. And so now, I get to live this life however I want to. And if I want to do this, or if I want to do that, and this makes me feel good about myself, then I can go ahead and do that because there's no one over top of me saying no. It is a breakdown of authority. And folks, this day and age is an absolute breaking down of authority. And we as Christians have stepped right into it. To mock kings and leaders over top of us. And I'm involved with it too. I've had jokes about it. And God says, you be careful. Speaking evil of those. And now, you know, remember those of us, I'm 48, almost 49. And I remember authority when I was a kid. Do you remember those of us who are a little older, when you got in trouble at school? And you got home, 
And Dad found out you got in trouble, you got a double whammy. You got it at school, and the parents actually got behind the authority of the teacher in the school, and they're like, what did you do wrong? Nowadays, what did that teacher do? What did they say? Were the expectations understood? Do you understand? You know, it's like automatically the kid's right. Foolishness, can I help your parents? Foolishness is still bound in the heart of a child. They will work the system, lie against any authority so that they don't have to work and they don't get in trouble. Well, I call them monsters at times, you know? And they're like sinnerlings. I got that one from somebody in the church. I like that word. I said, I like that. Sinnerlings. You know, we break down authority. And then we in, in, in the authority is parents let the kids rule us and we've lost total control. And it's like, who is the boss? Who is leading? And God says, well, let me show you what I designed. And He lays all the creation out in His creation. He shows that there is an accountability to authority. Now follow me, parents. You're not going to like me maybe, but that's okay. You want to throw me in jail? No problem. I whoop my kids. All four of them. I whooped some of my grandkids. They needed it. Now, if you want to throw me to jail, I properly correct them uh, the old-fashioned way, you know, right on the derriere where the sensitive part that God has created happens. Okay? And so you correct them, you do it the right way, not of anger and not abusing. That's not what I'm talking about. A very precise way, just like God does, lays it out and corrects. You know why? They have to understand if they run life their own way, they're going to live on a chocolate buzz the rest of their lives and they're going to die early from being stupid. Okay? So what we're trying to do is give them some management and say, you know what? There's a repercussion for doing this. And God is trying to take you as an authority to show that we have an accountability to our God whom we haven't seen as our Creator who has brought life and light and awareness of Him. So we yield ourselves to Him and we don't want to live in darkness and refuse the light. We don't want to refuse what is. Am I getting too deep? You following this? So that's why He, in verse 11, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. That's the Jewish people. His own people said, you're not the Messiah. But here's what the promise is. As many as received Him, to them, that individual, God gave the authority or the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe in His name. So the moment you realize He is the life, He is the light, He's the one that gave His life, He came to this earth, and He is the ultimate God, power over all, and I want to come underneath Him, and I want to receive and believe Him as my personal Savior, He will save you. But it's not by an inheritance, a bloodline. That's what He goes on to say. You're not a Christian, kids, because your parents are Christians. You have to make a decision yourself. It is not the will of man. Man didn't design salvation plan. He didn't come up with it. But salvation is of God. That's what He goes on to tell us. And that's why the Word was made flesh. And He dwelt among us. When we beheld His glory. Not just a teacher. He's, he's God. It's His glory. He is the one that is full of grace and truth. He revealed that those 33 years He was here on this earth. Do you believe Him? He is the one. He is God. He created it all. And if you do not see Jesus for who He is, 
you will not then come underneath His authority and you will not be under the authority of His Word and you will be on your own designing God the way you want. And that ain't going to work. We must yield to Him as Creator, Sustainer of life. He is sovereign. He is over top of me. And that is one of the most fundamental truths that we must come to understand. The importance of the eternal Word of God our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless Your Word. Lord, we have studied and we have seen some principles and I pray that we have seen and understood light. I pray, Lord, that You will bless. And if there are some here that have not submitted themselves to the Word of God, that they have not come to the place where they know Jesus is the only way for them to have life and light inside of them, convict them if they are right now living in darkness, would not comprehend Jesus Christ as the light, I pray, Lord, that You will bind Satan, that You will help them to come to the absolute truth of the Lord Jesus Christ that is found by His grace. Bless now this time. Use Your Word, Lord, as only You can. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand together.